we will open our time in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for just your hand in our lives. Um, Father, you bring the right information to us at the right times to prepare us for that which is to come and yet also prepare us to become more like you. And Father, I thank you that um, as we think about just your glory and your person, Father, we can't help but um, have... uh, um, have, have be startled, be be um, be confronted with how we think very wrongly about you, and uh, that we are um, that we um, this morning before we begin, we want to acknowledge our um, unfaithfulness to you in that way, Father. We want to acknowledge that uh, we don't always think so, as highly of you as we ought to think. And as a result, Father, when we're in the midst of the moment, we don't always speak so highly of you as we should speak highly of you. And Father, as a result, um, our lives are not the testimony that we need them to be because of you. And Father, it's all about you. And Father, we pray that this morning um, our conversation would be brought together in a way that would touch both those here who you want in the room and also those who will listen Um, on the internet. Father, we pray that you would sovereignly and purpose to accomplish your your will through the words that are said this morning and that you would be lifted up in our midst and that you, as a result, would draw all men um, to you. Father, we thank you for the words that we will read this morning, which are the very utterances of God, of, of yourself through Peter. Father, I pray that you would cause those words, those oracles, those utterances to be true to your scriptures and that you would cause us, therefore, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, good. Um, let's get started. Uh, we uh, have been uh, in our study of First uh, Peter and um, this brings us to a, a key place in Peter. might help to make it Chapter 4, 7 through 11, I think. <laughs> I just saw that. I was like, boy, I, I, I think I did the same thing maybe the week before, too. Um, so thank you for reminding me. Um, but we are um, closing out our time together um, for uh, P- our Peter study. We'll pick that up again in the fall and complete First Peter and then move into Second Peter. And... Uh, um, there is a good chance that uh, I will. I, I'm entertaining right now a, a possibility of after these next three weeks, doing another two or three weeks session on um, kind of unpacking maybe some of what we're going to talk about here today, but but also um, a little bit about like the hand of the Lord in our life and how does that how does that manifest itself and how do how does He work in our life and like, um, what's that all about? And this is really practical, hopefully. Yeah, probably, probably for two, three, two, three weeks, I'm thinking. I think it's the first week, probably the first week of June, first, second, third Sundays or something like that. So I'm, I'm, playing, I'm playing around with that, see if, see if that would work, if we have enough people who would uh, be interested. Um, be, I'm going to look at doing that also. It will be um, a, a key... Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to sandwich it with uh, um, a piece of uh, study that I've um, that I have done also that um, has really um, changed me personally also, which is um, which is uh, about waiting on the Lord, and so I, I want to um, kind of talk a little bit about that too. So, with that. Um, these are some of the questions that I gave you here in the beginning of your study. Um, uh, if you were here last week, share a few insights or observations of Peter's instructions, how we should properly focus um, during inevitable suffering going forward. So some thoughts around this as far as uh, um, some big big areas, big, big takeaways, big observations um, around um, focusing during... Uh, suffering going forward. Thoughts? How do we do that, according to Peter? Well, 
one is pretty clear. It says, you know, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking as Christ thought. So we feel life. How he endured suffering, he's our example. Amen. Um, focus on, on our suffering in the same manner or the same attitude as Christ had. Um, so he's our example. Great. Okay, good. What else? Other thoughts? Two talks about you know living for the will of God, so God has a purpose in our suffering. It's not just a whim or without some meaning. We may not see it, but it's there. Very much so. We have purpose in suffering. What a redemptive perspective that is. I'm going to come back to the word perspective in our time together today, also because I think it's really important. Um, what else? There's there's re, there's purpose in our suffering. Other thoughts to observations or key takeaways from our last week's study, last week's study, these Other thoughts? This is a good way to wrap people's head around it quickly, right? Force you to talk. <laughs> I don't remember yesterday, Mark. What, what about last week? Other thoughts? What's the first big way we, Peter asks us to uh, navigate these things? He says... We've talked about two of them already, and we're going to talk about the third one today. But what's what's one of the two big ways, or two, what are the two big things to focus on during our during suffering, according to Peter? Our intimacy with God, right? He says, for the purpose of prayer, for communion, for fellowship. His point is like, when you go through suffering, I'm going to ask you to do three things. Two, we've talked about already. Um, and the third we're going to talk about today. But the first thing is, like, develop now your intimacy with God so that when you navigate those heavy waters, your intimacy with God won't be something that you have to go uh, develop at that time. Because that is where you're going to find your strength. You know, that's where you're going to find your ability to navigate correctly with with transparency and with... um, the ability to have transform, uh, be transform, transforming in how we go through that together, uh, it w- you know, in, in that situation. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. So first and foremost, uh, focus on intimacy with God in the midst of. I don't know about you, but in my situations that I've gone through, this is the thing that God is trying to get the most amount of me uh, to become most connected to him during that time that's his purpose i mean he i mean he, it's like what about that don't i understand <laughs> it's like sometimes like that's the furthest thing I, I mean that's the last thing i go to but he wants it to be the first thing we go to he wants it to be the thing that matters most what um what else did i did we talk about last week focus on what else a stretched love, a fervent love, a, 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 a love that has a mu- the muscle of love completely exhausted with who each other, which is really the brethren, right? It's, it's the body of Christ. So he says, when you go through these things, you're, I'm going to ask you to develop your intimacy with me. I'm going to ask you not just to love one another. That's not the question here. The, que- the point he's trying to get at, he says, above all things, make your love fervent. His, his issue is it's not like as though your love is like uh, something you should do or not do. His assumption is you got to rally together. You have to come together. That's just like table stakes in the midst of persecution. His point is fervently love one another. Like, like put it on steroids. Like do everything you can to make it the highest priority that you have in the way in which you love one another. So fervently love one another. Good. Any other thoughts there? Yeah, not complaining. Huge issue in that whole spectrum, especially with hospitality if you're not a hospitality person. So his love, it says, love those you know, love those you don't know that are in the brethren. That's the point. Do it do it well. Do it excellently. And and don't complain. Why did we say don't complain? Because like like when we complain, that's going to cause the people watching that situation to go, you know, they don't have anything different than I have. You know, I complain too, right? So he says, so that you may be seen as, in Philippians, um, as, you know, bright stars on a black background. Like you stand out. Like, like 
like you make a difference um, in, in how you navigate these things. Any other thoughts on that? Okay. So uh, we're going to pick up there in our study. And uh, we have, um, uh, like I said, finishing up the, the, this, this week on verse 11 in chapter 4. And, uh, and uh, uh, the, the end of verse 10 also. We're in the section which is really exciting about our future. And, and we said last week, one of the key rem- things to remember is just that our Lord is, will return soon, and it's nearer than we think. Um, on the second page, if you can turn there, um, is uh, to remind you, this is our third week on, on talking about the, our focus in suffering. And we said our learning objectives for the three weeks, and it continues through today, is to develop confidence amid growing threats from an unbelieving world and an ever more hostile world, so that we will, the first week was about um, the end of all things is, is at hand, right? So don't be surprised, first and foremost, but be ready. Second, last week, and we're going to have a little bit more this week, is properly focused during inevitable suffering. And then this week also, we will finish our time about crystallizing what our motivation should be. Okay? Crystallizing what our motivation should be. So our incentive is the end of all things is at hand. Our instructions, which we talked about two of them last week, and we'll pick up on a third one this week, is... um, our instructions are, therefore, be of sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer, so intimacy with God. Second one was, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. So, second point here is um, focus on love of the brethren. Okay? Today, we're going to talk about this one, which is, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength, strength which God supplies. Okay? And then, and then the last section that we're going to cover today is our inspiration. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our, our inspiration. So our incentive, we said the end of all things is at hand. My question to us at that, that time two weeks ago was, do you really believe that? Are you living your life that way? What about your life has changed as a result of that? What are you doing differently? What are you going to do differently? How are you being changed? Those are all the key preparation questions we said that we talked about here. We, remember we said, like, begin the process of preparing my heart first. And then I said, we, we need to understand the times we have. And then look about how am I preparing my home, my house, my household. Okay. So hopefully, hopefully you're taking those things seriously there. Um, second is our instructions for communion and intimacy and gut with God. Two points here. He says... Be of sound judgment. The point is to have, have clear thinking. Be clear-headed in the midst of the situations that you're going you're gonna to come into. Don't be foggy about what matters most. Don't be foggy about the fact that, that you're living for, for yourself or, or something other than God. Get really crystal clear in, what, in how to think rightly. And I, what I mean by that is like thinking about things the way God thinks about them, not the way I want to think about them. Okay, that's sound judgment. Second is sober spirit. Be observant. Be, be, be alert. Um, have, uh, have a clue. Like, like drink the coffee. Like, like be aware of all things happening. Like around you, relationships, and this is where I'm talking about. Like, if I do that section in June, this is the thing that I want, want us to get: is like, like what's happening around me? How do I observe that, and how do I take that in? Because that's God working in my life. That's what's happening. It's by no coincidence. God is at work. He's doing something glorious. I don't even know it because I don't see it because I'm not aware of it. So what is he doing in my life? Okay, Sober spirit. Second, we said focus on love for the body. Focus on love for the body. We said here that above all things, again, the supreme important point here is, again, be fervent in your love. Okay, And, and fervent love is you know, sacrificial love in spite of insult, injury, and misunderstanding. 
And what we said here is that um, when it says love covers a multitude of sins, I just want to go back to that and reiterate what I said before, which is this is not about throwing a tent over sin that, that, that needs to be confronted. Not at all. Okay. In fact, that is just a, a heretical misunderstanding of this text. Okay. Um, God gives us other texts that say, when your brother sins against you, confront them. Okay. So this is this is about the little things that kind of you know I mean it, it's just not worth it's a one off it's this happened you know it's not like I'm gonna it's not an ongoing kind of a situation it needs to be confronted I'm gonna just let those go right I mean it happens in our marriages all the time it just happens all the time right those are just the things that that you're just gonna like let go you know let like, love cover those things but when you've been wrong seriously okay. This isn't about throwing a wet blanket over that and continuing to put it under the rug and then the rug piles up and then there's an explosion, okay? This is about confront, caring enough to confront in love and in truth, okay? It's both. And so if I don't care enough, if I keep sweeping under the rug, then I don't love that person enough to confront them. And if it means bringing somebody else with me to do it, then I need to do that. I need to do that, yeah. Peter's, all of this sin actions and everything the fight of that it was Father forgive them yeah. it was this forgive fight of even that sin that would be directed at us from others not brother yeah. and just ignoring yeah, that yeah. it's truly exactly bridging it to absolutely that absolutely and that's a great bridge um, so uh, and, and, you know it's just like in all things conclude that you've come to a forgiven state so that you can now be proactive and go renew the relationship way it needs to be because what we said before here's your here's one of my guiding principles in how i use to confront somebody or not or throw or put or let love cover it the guiding principle is will this person do that character sin again to somebody else because if they will i can feel like they pretty confident they will then i probably should care enough about those other people that that's coming to be able to confront them about that does that make sense yeah okay good um so I want to move on to our instructions. Our instructions. Third, the third thing is focus on intimacy with God. Focus on, on fervent love of the brethren. Third is focus on spiritual service. Focus on spiritual service. He says, as each one has received a special gift. A special gift. A, a special gift. So a spiritual gift, um, I'm going to give you a definition of this. A spiritual gift is a supernatural, God-given ability... Okay, to each believer at salvation to fulfill a need in the local body of Christ so that it would be built up and made complete or complete or mature in Christ. A supernatural, God-given ability to each believer at salvation to fulfill a need in the local body of Christ so that it would be built up and made complete in Christ. Made complete in Christ. Um, as you think about spiritual gifts, um, we're going to talk quite a bit about this today. Um, what have been some of the most... Uh, uh, first of all, let me ask you the question. Like, Do you know your spiritual gift? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Um, or, or dimensional aspects of it. Now I want to say um, gift, okay? because I think the scriptures are really clear. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not gifts. Okay? But that gift might have multidimensional aspects of it. Could have a serving portion tied to a, a, a speaking portion, tied to this, tied to that. Has, has, and we're uniquely developed in that way. So, just truth in bearing, I mean, let's raise our hands. If, if you don't happen to know what your spiritual gift is, that's okay. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is. Anybody? Or kind of wrestling with it a little bit, maybe? Everybody here knows what they I are? I think wrestling with it. Okay. And from time to time, you kind of think, something that I want to work harder yeah. on yeah. to find. It gets confused with, well, here's all these natural gifts. Sure. Talents. Now, growing up, your talents, all yeah. this kind of thing. And then, how do you distinguish those? Good point. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. Some little combination. According to what I've studied, it's like there's a comma between them. Yeah. So you're going to say, well, you can only have one or the exactly. other. Exactly. As and opposed to. People say like, oh, well. And that's where for me it's got to this place of 
clearly recognizing that question is that there's this unique gift, exactly singular that God has given me that is this blend, this blend of, of x comma x comma colon comma right. <laughs> <laughs> Semicolon comma. And so therefore now recognition then of what? Exactly. And I really want to build on that because I think people get all their knickers in a bunch trying to understand this. Like, why is that versus this and like this? No. The great news is, is that it's a blend of some incredible things that God's wired you for. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Um, second is spiritual gifts have, are called a uh, quote manifestation of the spirit manifestation of the spirit um, meaning that they are physical actions okay through which the spirit reveal, of God reveals himself and produces spiritual transformation so let's let's unbundle this a little bit so uh, a manifestation of the spirit is, is is another name for the spiritual gift okay that spiritual that manifestation of the spirit says that the Spirit is the one manifesting that through this gift in a person. Okay, To do what? Two things. Either reveal God and who He is, okay, or number two, produce spiritual transformation, or we'll call it fruit in other people. Okay, So the outcomes of the demonstration of spiritual gifts in a body of Christ is that they know God and love Him. And number two, that they, they, they produce fruit, spiritual fruit, in a, in a local body. It's interesting, Paul says, for the building up of the body by itself to become complete and mature in Christ. Okay? So, to know God, it's usually a speaking gifts are more about like that. Okay? What are the right, who is God? Okay? And number two is like to produce fruit, to produce transformation of souls. So that people are changed. Okay? Primary areas. Uh, a Christian filled with the spirit and mighty power of God will produce spiritual fruit in others through the use of spiritual gifts. Spiritual fruit through the use of spiritual gifts. So it is the power of God that does this. It is so so back to the conversation we just had. What makes things different between a spiritual gift and being gifted or talented? Talk to me about that. Is there a difference? And why? Go ahead. I would say it's what the focus is on. You know, a natural talent but a spiritual gift is for the body and it's for you can use your natural talents for that obviously alright alright others thoughts what makes it different they both come from the same place (laughs) (laughs) no I mean yes is that a trick question (laughs) it's the object but yeah I mean I'm with you. You can get really deep into this. It's all the same object. <laughs> it's all like what we do to serve God. Yet, from a definition standpoint, Mark, you're putting this in. But Put in your box. Put in your box. Ultimately, for this, this, you know, a gift from the Spirit for church, you know, and just aging. Yeah, so let me give you an example, right? So oh, you, can, you can probably explain this better, Dave. Why don't you talk to me about, like, your just your career role, right, as a teacher, yet how does it differ from being having a spiritual gift of teaching, do you think? Well, um, again, the, let's just say you take teaching and let's say vocationally, it's it's the ability to be effectively and about learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is recognized God-given natural abilities to communicate things more effectively. Talent, as opposed to that of uh, biblical uh, teaching God's word, this spiritual gift of teaching is for the purpose of building up and edifying the body of the spiritual, about the learning, it's the instrument of service. Not in any way for here, it's that object. The object is bringing closer to God, which is what you're bringing us through in this lesson. Yeah, yeah. so the difference here, right, is that um, there are physical things to know, um, things around us of creation and other things, or 
I'll call it, you know, areas of domain expertise, let's call it, right, that, that natural teaching and therefore methodology to become better at teaching is, is a good thing. I mean, you, you learn that in school, right, how to teach, how to be an effective teacher. But where it transforms itself into being um, a spiritual gift of teaching is the ability to understand and illuminate spiritual dimension of truth to people. That's the difference. Does, does my hard work on this side of the house of, of learning how to be a more effective teacher of stuff help me? Yeah, it helps me a lot. But now the transformation exists because now it's the Spirit of God illuminating people's minds and hearts and souls with the spiritual dimension of truth. That is a very different thing. Does that make sense to everybody? Actually, uh, one teacher, um, and I can give you an example. Michael referred to it last week. Uh, talked about how Jesus, uh, let's say, as a church, that Jesus talked in parables, and so he tells exposition of the, the text, and it's sort of like I've lost it because it brought. It, it's the master teacher bringing about learning through the Spirit in there. There have been the way I've seen this to affirm in my own life the this blended teaching other parts of this gift is that uh, the Holy Spirit will give you the story to tell. It brings the story to you to be able to communicate it. So therefore I'm going to say, okay, let me take this biblical truth and let me tell you a, a practical story that allows the Spirit to connect that. I've seen it and I've seen it yep. and that affirms it. Yep. Amen to that. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, no, absolutely. Great illustration. Um, yeah. I have a question because now that one is kind of, you can really see it. Because there's a difference. Yeah. But what if your spiritual gifts is like cleaning the church? How do you tell the difference between cleaning your bathrooms at home and the difference between <laughs> cleaning your bathrooms at church? All right. The line's not so That's cut. a perfect question. And I'm going to ask you to hold that question for a second, okay? Put you in suspenders, okay? Because you put it on the table, but we are going to cover it. And I, I hope by the end of our time together today, you're going to go, oh. Okay. All right. Yes. I I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I can work in the garden and everything. So that is not my gift. I think I have a love for children. I babysit and uh, I try to teach Bible A and Bible school and. Uh, love and kind towards other school and say it out loud. What are you doing? What are you said? I that must just, have warmed your heart. <laughs> yeah, but you can't do that. <laughs> but he still does it. <laughs> still does it because yeah. she said I can. <laughs> um, good. Well, let's keep going. Um, so, uh, key, some key facts about spiritual gifts. I'm going to give you these so that you have a framework here. Okay. First one is that genuine believers... In Jesus Christ are always given the Holy Spirit and are always given a spiritual gift. Uh, let, for, for some of these in this passage, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's look at verse 7. Somebody read that out loud, real, uh, real loud. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Anybody? And to each one, manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, so, how many, so who gets it? Each one, each believer, each one. So each person is given the manif- given this manifestation of the Spirit, and 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 they're given to them according to the second one because the Holy Spirit sovereignly, sovereignly superintends their distribution. He determines which ones get which giftedness. Um, so therefore, believers cannot earn or pray for or in any manner generate. That giftedness. Uh, Somebody want to read verse 11 and 18 in the same passage. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to equally as He will. But as it is, God arranged the members in the as He chose. Okay. So the Holy Spirit, uh, working in conjunction with God's will, um, d- distributes to each person individually. So each one's unique, completely unique. It's individually, and it's God-ordained, God-sanctioned, God-appointed, God-elected gift. 
I'm not talking talent. I'm not talking experience. I'm not talking about um, passions. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just saying God somehow, our Creator, has wired us in such a way that He is like, He is uniquely, divinely apportioned to me personally a gift. Wow. And it came when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Okay? There are numerous gifts and expressions of gifts, but there's only one in the same Spirit. One in the same Spirit who's working all of them. All of them. Would somebody read verses 4 through 6 in the same passage out loud? Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Amen. So God is the one who addresses the way in which not just the gifts are, but the ministries of how those gifts are going to be utilized. And number three is the effects or the outcomes, the, uh, the, 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 the way, the, 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 the power by which, the, the powerful outcomes by which that's going to get manifested, if you would. And, and he's the one doing it. Each, each gift is unique. It's like a spiritual snowflake. Or a fingerprint. It's a divine fingerprint of God in our life. No two are the same. None whatsoever. And and so, um, what might be what might be how it is different from somebody? Dave and I have a, Dave, and, Dave and I have probably similar gift, spiritual giftedness. But how might it be different? I'm not going to like go through that with us, but I mean, let's say we both have the same gift of teaching, let's say, and maybe leadership or administration, let's say. How might that actually be different, though, when you really go and un- un- unbundle it and everything? Personalities. Personalities. And um, life experiences. Life experiences have really characterized different things in different ways. Yes. What else? Subject matter. I mean, Su- subject matter. Particular Preference, uh, Old Testament or New sure. Testament, or sure, right. very much so. Huh? Culture, Culture, where we've come from, where how we grew up, what, our mindset in certain areas. How about how about maybe one of us is better with younger ch- children, and another's better with with adults. What else? What about small groups versus large groups? Maybe I'm better one on one. Still the same gift. What else? I mean, can you see like, how incredibly different those might be? Now, God may choose because of, quote, the need of the moment in a local body to have it manifest, the same gift manifested in meeting this need here versus this need here. But that's God figuring all that out. And He's the one making that all happen. Does that make sense? Yeah? The gifts are always cooperative, never competitive. Always cooperative, never competitive. Somebody want to read verse 25 for us. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. I'd suggest not just the same care, but the same mindset. It doesn't matter whether you're the pastor or whether you are the person who is, who, who is passionate about keeping the toilets clean you know, in the restrooms. It doesn't matter. Both in God's economy have a similar, um, uh, 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 a similar contribution to what He's trying to do. And I'll come up. I'll show you later that maybe that one has more. I'll show you that as we go through our time together today. Okay. Um, spiritual gifts are fundamentally active, not passive. Fundamentally active, not passive. All of these gifts are not about sitting on your tush and waiting for somebody to come your way. All of these, all of these gifts are about like you being cranked up in passion for the glory of God and 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 being doing it actively. Okay, it's not about like these things are going to be employed, quote unquote, by you just waiting around. Okay, like like what's that all about? Okay, so like, like, how do you get involved? How do you meet needs? What, how do you, how do you, how do you taste and see if that's for you? You know, I mean, those are all the things. Either way, needs needs exist, and we need to we need to move forward with them, right? Okay. Um, the Holy Spirit is the source of power, change, and effectiveness, not us. 
so easy to get have people maybe come to you and say, boy, you did a great job on X, or thank you so much for Y, or and you kind of go, like, what's your decision criteria right there? Praise God. Glory to God. That's just the whole point, right? It's not about us. It's not about me. He gave me the gift. It should be all about Him um, in the process. The Lord will give us exactly what we need to accomplish His will for our church. Sometimes we think that, like, um, sometimes we think that because we can't see the giftedness that we think needs to exist in this body in order to go here or there or do something, I'll suggest that, that it may be much more about like God wants us to wait on Him than to go forward without that giftedness. Because God will de- declare and bring that giftedness to bear at the times that He wants that to happen. So we need to pray. Pray for that. When we're in the midst of, of, of great challenge and, 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 and significant um, suffering, I think that will happen in the future. God's going to uniquely craft the individual local bodies for all of the things he needs them to do for his purpose in his kingdoms. And, and we just need to stand and watch. You know, so many times in the Old Testament on some of those battles that they had where God fought the battle. The, i got to believe they all got up, they got, their, they got all their armor on, you know, and they're, and they're ready to go, and they're like, how'd that battle get won, right? <laughs> like, like, how'd all those people die? Um, yeah, well, God wants us to shoot, suit up and show up, but you know what, he's going to fight the battle, and he's going to make it work. And then the last one here, kind of let me read it out loud. God has given the right gift along with the right resources in the right person, in the right body of Christ, at the right physical location, at the right time, for the right reason, to be utilized as our only right response, which is obedience, and to be deployed with the only right attitude, humility and selfishness. Makes selflessness. Does that make sense? Yeah? That's how unique, that's how personal, that's how intimate God's manifestation of His Spirit is in our lives. Uh, he says, let's go back to um, 1 Peter together. 1 Peter um, says, As each one has received a spiritual gift, so, so is there anybody in here that, that, that hasn't concluded as a believer in Christ, that you have a spiritual gift. Everybody's got that? Yeah? God's Spirit has given it to you. You may not know what it is. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, But he says, we are commanded to employ it. We are commanded to employ it. I can't employ something I don't know what it is. I can't. I can't. I can't put it into action if I don't know what it is. Now, I can kind of get on this trajectory of what I'll call a a converging pathway and pray to God to give me wisdom about what that looks like and is, that's, that's as much faith, demonstrated faith, as maybe some of us need to take today. You know, it's like, let's, let's go. You know, let's go. Let's figure this out. Show me what it is. God will. He will show you what it is. Guaranteed. Um, he says, in serving one another, uh, let me go back to here. If we... Does everybody agree we're commanded to employ it? Yeah? Okay, let me ask a tough question. What's it called when you don't? You said that. that It's disobedience. But it's disobeying God, right? And there's consequences. So what are the consequences? Let's talk about that. What are the consequences of not employing my gift? What could they be? Might they be? Okay, so personal and body consequences. Personally what? Lack of joy, maybe, because... do you know what it's like to stick a, a square peg in a round hole? Oh my goodness. There's a lot of chafing that goes on. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, building the Don Wubbs, who was a contractor, volunteer church. So we saying always would be is that don't come and serve because you'll miss the blessing. So some would look at it as a leverage point. You know, it's like, oh. Geez, okay, make me feel bad about this. I have to go. But there, there was biblical truth that was behind that 
that it was uh, always a blessing. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I cannot tell you. Uh, I could go hours, hours, days. I could tell you the joy of using my spiritual gift. I could go on and on and on. Um, when I do that personally, for the right reasons, the right way, there's something about like how God's you know wired me that somehow it fills me up. It, it completes me. It gives me joy. It gives me great purpose in my life. And to your point, like, if I'm, I'm not... I mean, this is, this is... Think about it this way. This, the Spirit of God is the down payment in our, in our hearts when we come to Christ, right? He says, you'll have the Spirit until I'm with you forever. This gift is, is the gift of God that, that demonstrates His love to us as a result of that, that what happened there. Salvation comes along for the ride. This gift is like God's gift to us. That's how important this is. And the beauty is it's for the completion and maturity of the thing that matters most to Him, which is the body of Christ. It's the church. It's the thing he spilled his blood for. It's the thing that matters most to him. And he gave us a gift for that. That's how huge this issue is. Oh my goodness. And he says, to how do you do it? It's you're to do it in serving one another, not for serving ourselves. For the common good. For the common good. And he says, how should we do it? As good stewards. As good stewards. A steward is one who manages the affairs... Of, of, their manage, of their owner's estate. And they do it according to this faithfully. So it, we are defined as, quote, good stewards. The definition of good is that we are faithful. Um, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, he says that the definition of what, what, what makes a steward good is that they are found faithful. So am I faithful in my spiritual gift? Um, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's talking to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at verses um, verse 14 uh, through 16. Um, so will I read that out loud? 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, save both yourself and your hearers. Okay, so four things he says here about spiritual gifts. He just so happens to be talking to Pete, to, to, to Timothy, but Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's talking about his spiritual gift, right? So he says four things. First, um, do not de- neglect it. Do not neglect it. Know what it is, and, and, and do not neglect it. Number two is, quote, Take great pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. Be occupied with them. I'll suggest work hard at it. And when I say hard, I mean excellently. I can't control the outcomes of what my spiritual gift is going to do. But you bet I can control my ability to work hard at it. To, be, to, work, to, 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 to ensure I do it excellently as unto God for it. Okay, that's my. That's what I have to do. I need to. I need to. If I'm going to do this, I got to do be the best one at it I can, and I can't allow other things to like soup become more important in my life than than the employing of my spiritual gift. I, I can't. It's just not right, according to Paul to Timothy. And then he says, take great pains in them. Why? So that your progress can be. Clear to all that, that you, you're making good progress. And last but not least, in verse 16, he says, But most importantly, what? Pay close attention to your heart. Like, guard your heart in the midst of your giving, employing your gift. Why? Because you may think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You may be like 
tickled. Think about the way in which you clean that particular, you know, that basin, you know. Or somebody says something like, whoa, yeah, I'm pretty good. That's not it. It's about guard your heart in the midst of giving, working hard at it. So I've always said, like, um, shame, shame on us when we do not take our spiritual gifts seriously and work hard at it. I don't think we're obeying the Lord. And we're certainly detracting to the second point you brought, Mick, versus personal, which is corporate. We are detracting from one another. I'll suggest that, that we are sinning when we don't, and we are, quote, robbing the body of all it could be, which is all about the glory of God. Okay? So anytime, if I'm disobeying God, it's just another word for sinning, right? I mean, am I right? Right? Yeah? So I need to take that seriously. Take it seriously. It says, um, of the manifold grace of God. Of the manifold grace of God. He says, our spiritual gifts are um, demonstrable of the manifold grace of God. This word manifold, I, I am so excited about this, this word. Okay? This word is like, do you remember, do you remember Joseph in the, in, in the Old Testament when he had a coat? It was called what? Coat of many colors. The word is manifold. It's the, it's the coat of many colors. Okay? The, this word manifold means multifaceted. It means multidimensional. It means multi-demonstrated. Uh, uh, de- it means multifaceted. Think about a diamond. A diamond by itself is not beautiful. But a diamond that's like cut the way a diamond is cut does what? It refracts the light in a ways that cause it to, you know, be beautiful. And um, it's that cutting process, I think, that God's at work in each of our lives in our spiritual gift to accomplish the glory of God when it shines through us to be beautiful, to accomplish His goals and His purposes. And so... This is huge. I mean, think about creation. Think about the flower, the flower kingdom. Think about the animal kingdom. Think about the, the universe. Think about the micro, microcosm of life. All of it like screams the multidimensional glory of God. And he says, your gift is like that. I cared enough that I would give you that for the purpose of displaying my glory in ways that nobody else has ever seen because they've never looked at it through the same prism that you personally bring because you're unique, because you are gifted like nobody else. That's, that's amazing to me. How cool is that? Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies. So Peter gives us two broad categories of spiritual giftedness. One is speaking gifts. Some examples are like preaching, teaching, exhortation, evangelism. He says, when, when or if we're using this spiritual gift, um, what, what should we do? We should, we should make sure that, that we don't communicate our own perspective, that we communicate the very utterances of God. It's easy for me to try to bring counsel, let's say, if I'm a counselor or a teacher, to talk about the th- what I think. Mark, it doesn't really, I don't give a rip about what you think. Okay? It's about communicating what God thinks. That's what, that's what a speaking gift is responsible to do. Okay? And so only by the fact that maybe I've like hung around that enough that God's changed my thinking to be like his thinking that anything could come from me that would have any value whatsoever. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah? And then the second one here is serving gifts. Some examples here are leadership, administration, giving, mercy, compassion, helps, service. He says if you're using, if we're using a, a serving gift, um, or let let me change it around. If let's say I'm using a dimension of my gift that has to do with service, let me say it that way. I think that's a better way to say it. Okay. Um, then I when I do that. I, I need to exercise it not in my own power, but according to the strength which God supplies. Philippians 4, 
um, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? So it is the power of God working through me in my serving that I need to, I need to rely on His strength. What's a practical way, whether it's speaking or serving, that that might manifest itself, do you think? Thoughts? How can I be sure I'm doing this? What's, what's a, just a very simple way to think about it? Okay, well that's an outcome, but how do I know in the, mo- in the moment? I mean, outcomes may not come. You know, I've seen faithful missionaries serve God their whole life and didn't see any fruit. In, in those people's minds, they weren't. some people would think they weren't successful. Mm-hmm. I think that just, just give you that. Okay, so maybe a feeling is right. I'll suggest, you know, praying. Praying that God would be, I mean, I won't say it's never. I, I won't say 100% of the time. It would be wrong, but I said the vast, high, 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 high percentage of the time, I won't stand in front of somebody and teach without asking God to do something that only He can do spiritually. I, I won't. It's too big of a responsibility. Far too important to be cavalier about it. Um, the outcome is church. So, as I think about this this exhortation in this passage, so, it's at the early point of the church, but it's the same uh, it's the same today. The church. So, in other words, it's not like it's a, well, what would it look like if everyone did this? <laughs> um, we see examples in scriptures where there was this, everyone gave willingly and it was too much. You know, um, back in Exodus. At the same time, it's it, it's it's part of what you're talking about. It's part of the sanctification process. God was a, grows us through this. So, I'm going to go back to this willingness of the heart. In yeah. God is the object. Yeah. Without, okay, I expect an outcome yeah. that someone would see that I'm doing something of service. Or it's just in obedience and in prayer, just saying, God, you be, you be glorified through this, and just. Just do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And we're going to talk about that right now. Um, so um, that, that finishes our instructions. We, we hit three things here. One was that we would focus on communion and intimacy with God in the midst of our focus in suffering. Second, we would focus on, on, on fervently loving the brethren. Third, we would focus specifically on our spiritual service. Those are the only three things that Peter gives us that, we should, that, that matter in our, in our navigating the, the end of all days. He doesn't say buy guns. He doesn't say, like, go start a war or whatever. He says three things. Intimacy with God. Focus on loving one another. And number three, use your spiritual gift. So my ask, my, what I want to go to next is, is this, which is, and this is, this, is where I, this is the key thing, our inspiration. Our inspiration. He says, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Our highest goal in the end of all days our highest goal, our uppermost affection, our most majestic aspiration, and our transcendent purpose for living must be the glory of God. Must be the glory of God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Somebody read that out loud. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, all to the glory of God. Okay. So eating and drinking, um, probably seen as what? Maybe not as important as other things. Maybe that we would do kind of more kind of mundane issues. Maybe. I know sometimes I think eating is really good, <laughs> but but his point is not that. His point is like whether it's like the the mundane things of life. Or whether it's like the really important things of life, do all things for the glory of God. I want to come back to that. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Colossians 3.15. I was listening to uh, a couple of comments from Louis Giglio. Uh, this, uh, and uh, he shared a few things that I want to... A couple of them I want to pass on to you, and I've added a few th- things to them too. So Colossians 3.15. Somebody read that. Uh, 3.17, excuse me. 317. Somebody read that. Whatever you do, in word 
do it all in the name of the thanks to God the Father through Him. So when you go and really analyze in the in the Greek this word whatever, um, you know what it comes back to mean? Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. So, I got a, a friend of mine on Thursday. Was he, He's in Texas, and he uh, was sitting at a Panera. And all of a sudden, he's just sitting there having his normal coffee next to the window. And uh, he usually sits right next to the window there. There's bricks in the window and the uh, window. And all of a sudden, he hears a screech. And he wasn't sitting there, he was sitting inside. He heard a screech. And then, all of a sudden, this pickup truck came right through the wall. <laughs> and, land, and, and stopped ten, five feet from him. Like that. And he said, my whole life went in front of my, my mind. My whole life. I thought I was a dead person. He said, in a moment. In a moment. I, I, I thought, like, because I was so rattled, he said, what will it be like when those who don't know Christ see him in a moment and know that their whole life has been spent on something that doesn't matter? And I want to say that, I want to give you four words that I think... And we may not finish this up, and if you don't, you can go online and get it. I know for all those fill-in-the-blankers, you're probably really frustrated at me. <laughs> when you read the words from Peter, the end of all things is at near. Is, the end of all things is at hand. Um, I'll suggest it changes your perspective. Like, really? Like, you just had a four-wheeler drive through the wall in front of me. Like, you've got my attention. Got my attention. Everything can change in a moment. And I'll suggest many times, if we're in a situation like that, let's say as, as the end of all days does come near here, where we're going through intense challenges right now, how we perceive those challenges makes all the difference in the world as to how we navigate them. Okay? Perspective. Second, I want to talk about passion. Passion. Let me give you a definition of passion. Write it down. Passion is unique and gifted wiring, W-I-R-I-N-G, wiring, unique and gifted wiring by God um, that makes me, quote, come alive. That makes me come alive and fulfill all my God-given potential. Let me go back. Unique and gifted wiring by God that makes me come alive, quote-unquote, and fulfill my God-given potential. My question to you is, what fires you up? What fires you up? What is it in you that causes you and moves you? I'll suggest that many of us in this room are caught in a dead end, and we are not alive and we are not accomplishing our potential in our lives. And like, God is not glorified as a result of it. For whatever reason. And so, passion in life is about our unique and gifted wiring by God that causes me to, quote, come alive and accomplish my God-given potential. How, how, how is that? It's in this unique gifting of, of, of the gift of God. It's also in my experiences we talked about. It's also in my, my, in, in my talents. It's also in my aptitude. It's also in my, the way God's wired me. It's all, it's in my, it's, it's, it's all of it. It's my aspirations, my affections. My, all of these things are wrapped up in like who God's created me to be. And my question to you is, do you know what God created you to be? Where are you passionate about? Like Where are you? What makes you tick? What makes you go get, come on fire for something? Like that, there's something there that God has like created in you for His purposes. That's passion. It, it's, it's something that, that, that moves your soul. Like it, it very well could be making sure that 
the restrooms are clean. It very well could be something like that. But you know what? Do it the best you can for God's purposes. Um, Passion. The third one I want to give you here is purpose. Purpose. You you can start to figure out what how God's made you tick, and you can start to 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 employ your gift. Okay, but if you don't get why you're doing what you're doing, then it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter. And and so purpose is about. I'll suggest. Let me just be really clear. This is about the glory of God. Back to our conversation earlier, what makes me clean the bowls better than anybody else? It's not that somebody sees it. It's that God's given me a passion for doing that, and I want to do it for the, for the pleasure of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because God sees it. And He's the one that saw it. And He saw the motivation of my heart. And He's the one that, 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 I, that feels good about the fact that I wanted to do it for him and him alone, not for myself. That differentiates average and mundane to purpose that God is glorified. Is my goal is the goal in my life to make much of Christ? Is the goal in my life to lift up the the praise of his name? Is the goal in my life to like make him his name known well? That that should be my goal. Okay, that's my passion. That should be my purpose. Excuse me. Is the glory of God? Make much of Him. Make much of Jesus in my generation. That's what my spiritual gift can do. That's what our spiritual gifts can do. Um, turn with me to Romans eleven thirty six. Romans eleven thirty six. Somebody read that out loud. Love Him and through Him and are all things. Okay, so from Him, where did we get our spiritual gift? From God. To Him and because of Him. So you think about to is His destination is coming. Like my gift is for Him. It's for His glory. How did I get it? It's because of Him. And He's the one that sustains me in the midst of deploying my gift right now. He's the one that gives me that passion. He's the one that's created me that way. Unique prism to, to display the transcendent glory of God. Purpose, because of from whom, through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. So, there is no higher calling in my life. There's no higher calling in my life than to do all things for the purpose, for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. All things. I just want to finish this piece off really quickly with the last P, which is, this, this for me connected all the dots together, is place. Place. So perspective, passion, purpose, and forth as a place. And that place is heaven. That place is where I set my mind on Christ who lives in heaven. Why? Because I want to be with Him forever. Make no mistake that our giftedness is not for this time only. Why should I work hard at it? Why should I be the best at it? Why should I do it for the glory of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? It's because the giftedness is not just for this age. I have been gifted for eternity. And I will use my gift to, to, to declare the glory of God forever and ever. I think that makes, makes it really important. That it's just not here and now. It's for then and there. And like, however good I'm getting at it now is all in. All matters. All is valuable because I'll be doing it and learning and getting better at it forever and ever. And it'll be all about the glory of the, the, glory of the King. Does that make sense? Oh my goodness. This can change everything. So let me just finish you off if you're filling the, fill the blanker and you can stick around. Okay, whatever in all things, please God through Jesus Christ. If you have the ability to go back and read these these texts since we don't this morning, oh my goodness, you will just it'll rock your world. 
rock your world. Why? Because the end of all things is at hand and, and the end of all things shadow is upon us. Only one ambition will allow us to navigate suffering in a hostile world, living for the pleasure of the King of Kings. To whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Peter breaks into a full doxology here. And that doxology, doxology alone befits the context. And last but not least, he closes with amen. He closes with a term of, um, of affirmation that means, so let it be. So let it be. And I'll suggest that it actually um, means God, comma, the faithful king. That's what amen actually ends up being. God, comma, the faithful king. And how is he faithful? He's faithful in all the things he just talked about. So what makes you come alive? You may be still like, I haven't figured this out. Well, then you're probably not going to come alive. You're not going to see what God's created you for. So I want, you, I want to set you guys on a course that says, oh my goodness, I need to change my perspective. I need to, I need to figure out my passion. I need to understand and, and cement in my soul my purpose. And I need to do it because I have a place that God is preparing for all those who love Him. I put a definition of the glory of God. If, you, if, this, doesn't make, if this doesn't rock your world, I don't know what can. If this doesn't change your reason for why you live what you live, I don't know what will. But it's the glorious, splendorous, jaw-dropping beauty which emanates from the radiant outshining of the aggregated attributes of God's magnetic and infinite character, which is manifested in unapproachable, inaccessible, explosive, brilliant, incandescent, lightning-hot white light which no mortal man has ever seen or has ever begun to experience. You know what the great news is? The New Jerusalem is, is, is built with diamonds. And those diamonds will reflect the glory of God and it will explode throughout the entire city. It will be the most majestic thing you've ever seen. And all that will be on display for the King of Kings. I, I don't know what you do with all that. I really don't. It should, it should mark the decisions of my life every single day. Dave, would you close us in prayer? Father God, uh, words can't really express the many times that we've just in a limitness and the restrictions of us, um, the of the fullness of falling of us. Father, it's been just a beautiful passage of a reminder us in our in perspective, clarity of perspective, uh, that we would, <clears throat> that Father, we would affect ourselves, heart, that you would pray that you would um, greater, greater perspective of, of, us, uh, of you. And so message today in this passage and will ignite in us. Mm. So we just, we just do pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day.